0: worried about the continuity of all the information that gets built when you work on a bunch of deals you build all this tribal knowledge and so you want that knowledge to be stored somewhere that's easily accessible so that if somebody ever leaves to take a new opportunity that's okay because you still have access to all that data This is the Naked Truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another no BS episode
1: right now. Hello, everybody, I'm Javier Dino, your host of the Naked Truth about real estate investing. And today I'm actually podcasting in my office. And next time you see the podcast, It'll be all hooked up just like it is in my other office, but enough about me. I actually have Kevin Schaffman. That's that pr- correctly. Close enough. No, Close enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm try to do my last name. If you do know my last name. You're my hero. Um, we got him on the show. The, you, know, you know, that's, that's pretty good. He's going to talk about it. A little history about himself, what he's been doing in uh, commercial real estate. He's the CEO of this really cool company. That I was doing some research on and it looks pretty good. It looks like an easy button for a lot of different stuff, but I'll let him explain that. Kevin, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and give us a little bit of history.
0: Sure. Appreciate you having me on. So I've spent the last 17 years in commercial real estate from a variety of angles. I've spent a handful of years as an investment banker, then I got an MBA, then I spent 10 years as a management consultant. And while I was working at these large consultancies, or and been Young and Deloitte among them, my job was to advise clients on what type of technology they should be deploying to make their real estate companies more profitable. And I never thought I would be a tech guy. I just thought I would continue to be an investment banker and do a bunch of transactions with. So I did a lot of real estate investment and kind of got forced into this whole tech thing. And what we've found through those years of research is more and more technology is being used, not just at an institutional level, but even with smaller commercial real estate enterprises to accelerate the leasing process, to make payments easier, to interact with tenants, to provide r- reports out to investors, right? technologies infused everywhere. Okay. And when I was at Deloitte, I ran into this company, Navigator. They were nine employees at the time, but were pretty small. They had built a data analytics and visualization platform. And I fell in love with the tech and it became a full-time Kuwait drinker. I it's September of 2019, so I've been COO for a little over two years now. Our clients are pretty large institutional owners, operators, and investors in commercial real estate. Blackstone, Starwood Capital, Newmark, Brandywine for Volodius. It's really big names that deploy a bunch of capital across various property types and life cycle stages. And now what we're trying to do is take all of that information, that our clients are sending in and run analysis on it and provide information you know, to the wider market on trends we're seeing to be thought owners so that more people will join the Navigator platform.
1: Cool. So it's navigatorcre.com. Correct. So when I saw the name, I tell everybody I'm 24 years old, but I look like I'm 42 because I used to flip houses. So I can tell you how old I am. I am 42 years old. But when I saw Navigator, the first thought in my mind came from that movie back in the eighties, The navigator where a little kid jumps into the aircraft and there's this eyeball, right? yes. yeah, I'm going to watch that with my kids. I got an 11 year old at home. I'm going to go home and I'm going to put some popcorn and we're going to watch that movie. And it's like this alien, this robot, it's like an eye. And it was so cool. I remember watching that as a kid. So when I saw that, that's the first thing that came to my mind it was technology, but an alien, the navigator, isn't that a cool movie anyways. Super cool. I do.
0: I have such a great reference. And actually, not many people actually know that movie stuff. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. If you think about just drones in general, right? Like any device that flies around and records the world and then provides feedback on it. You see a lot of companies using technology now, especially around construction sites. You know, there's all these companies that are worried about, you know, the and viability. And so all of a sudden, they have a drone flying around the site. Making sure all the workers are wearing their safety equipment and making sure they're strapped in if they're going vertical and sending notifications if the guy like isn't wearing his helmet or his protective vest. It's like it's pretty crazy, mostly because these companies want lower insurance premiums, they want a safer work environment for the employees. So it's like there's something you just never think about that seemed kind of alien ten years ago, that today are just like they're, they're standard. And it's not just for high-rise office buildings. You got people that are you know, building single family homes that are, you know, two stories and people are getting one second story. And they're, there's a drone clock now. I'm looking at this stuff on the bricks and sticks.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, technology is definitely taking over everything, right? You, you can buy land right now in the digital <clears throat> land. I was doing some research as well. And like, can I just watch a YouTube video? Somebody explained it to me and it was pretty cool, right? You can, you can do a lot of cool stuff and talking about those drones and about insurance purposes. I just interviewed somebody a few weeks ago he was talking about how he had 140 some retail locations and he had a sales team well, he ended up putting with some cameras with facial recognition, right? So it would track the movement of all the employees and it would just give them all these analytics or data. And it would show they were just sitting around. They were talking to people. And it was, he said his business grew by like 30% just by adding that because nobody was lazy sitting on their butt all the time because they knew somebody was watching all the time. It's kind of crazy, but it worked well for him, right? The technology.
0: Well, so, now yeah. that those same, same retail owners, they're taking that same tech and they're facing it outward, out to the building. So with yeah. sensors, they're, tra- they're tracking how many people are coming into the store. Then they're cross-referencing the foot traffic with how much money is being spent inside the store. So that those two data points together, that gets to a, what's the average amount of money spent per pair of feet that's walking in a brick and mortar retail location. Then they compare that to how much rent they're paying per square foot of space. And then when you get that calculation of sales per pair of feet, now it's sales per dollar per square foot, big rent. And you get like a threshold of what ratio you're comfortable swallowing as a retail owner. And that's completely changing the game on having a lease.
1: Yeah, that's insane. That's crazy. So let me back up a little bit here. And you, you threw out some pretty heavy names, some pretty big boys out there. So tell me what your software or your company, what can they do for somebody that big? Or could you get a client or somebody else who's, what's your ideal client or what's the entry level, I guess you would say.
0: Yeah, yeah. So most of our clients are, you know, they run very complex, diversified businesses. And they're storing information about the businesses in a ton of different tools, right? So they got like the accounting system and that's typically going to be a Yardy or an MRI or J.D. Edwards, Oracle SAP, one of these big, big ERP systems. Then they got the leasing tool, then they got the pipeline tool, then they've got treasury data, they got market data. They have a bunch of Excel spreadsheets that are storing construction information and you know HR timesheets, it's it's all over the place, and none of it's in you know, a centralized location. So Navigator brings in the data from all of those different systems and sources, regardless of format, regardless of geography regardless of stage in the company. And we integrate that data all together and build a model so that on top of it, we can visualize the information in many ways. We can put all the property geolocated geolocator maps, and you can do visual presentations on site. We can build a grid so you can organize the data and then build standard reports out of it without having to recreate reports manually. We can audit the data, so you can figure out what information is missing, like if somebody didn't fill in a lease rate or a start date or a move-in date or when when the building was last renovated. Which we found a lot of missing information, and then lastly, a bunch of dashboards designed for various departments and especially executives, so that when you have like an investment committee meeting, you can decide how much to bid, when to bid, who to call what risks might prevent you from doing a deal. You can do all of this a lot quicker than you would if you didn't have a centralized store, visualized information.
1: Wow. Well, as you were going through this list, you already, and then you have, you got the pipeline coming in and then you have your construction on a spreadsheet. I'm like, did somebody give you access to my Google drive? That's what I was thinking. And Kevin's been going through my Google drive. I didn't leave my PC at the office. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you would be surprised how many companies I run into that are brand names, large portfolios, well-recognized in the industry. You would think they have extremely sophisticated tech stacks, but until these folks are managing probably more than a billion dollars, they're just living on excess budgets and, you know, to have access to Right? And let's be honest, right? Until pretty recently, that was okay. Cap rates were very high for a while, interest rates have remained low. You could find good deals with spread out and, and sometimes missing information. But now there's so much capital chasing so few deals that you gotta be able to act quickly so that a you can win a bid on an acquisition of be able to participate right deals, but also to not get pulled into a deal that on the surface might look okay but under the surface actually pretty bad and not beneficial
1: to the investor yeah um you know running stuff on a spreadsheet so i know somebody who has about 450 million dollars worth of commercial real estate and we're having a conversation last october you know like a year ago about his process systems and he's like spreadsheets that's what he said i'm sitting there like no way spreadsheets like yeah just spreadsheets and I'm like oh my <laughs> god and i'm not a spreadsheet guy i'm not a systems guy but I'm like, holy crap. And the guy's making a lot of money, right? And I'm like, I'm assuming you can make it a lot easier, a lot more efficient, but you know that's not my job. That's not what I'm good at, right? So I should probably reach out to him and see how he's doing now. But he told me, yeah, I just all on spreadsheets. I'm like, wow, I was I was very surprised, actually. Extremely surprised. But you wouldn't be surprised, Kevin. Somebody said that. I'm not surprised at all. In fact,
0: most people like that, like they're running a you know, family office or yeah. they've just built up their own portfolio over time they often find that when the spreadsheets get too chaotic, they just go hire some people, right? They're like, let me go hire some analysts or some interns, you know, we're going to let bodies solve the problem. And the problem in today's working environment is those people have a lot of choices with their career. They also want hybrid work and, and different benefits. And so, so it's hard to keep people loyal. And when people churn or they turn around and leave a company, you, all that knowledge goes with them, especially with standard spreadsheets, and that becomes really problematic. So a lot of these companies come to us because they're not really worried so much about the tech. They're worried about the continuity of all the information that gets built when you work on a bunch of deals, right? You build all this tribal knowledge, right? And so you want that knowledge to be stored somewhere that's easily accessible so that if somebody ever leaves to take a new opportunity, like that's okay because you still have access to all that data.
1: Well, something you use that I'm going to take it right now, you call this spreadsheet knowledge, something like that. I like that code spreadsheet knowledge, right? The spreadsheet guy leaves and you're like, okay, how the hell, what is this button for? And what was this green tab for? And what was this other sheet down here for? What does that mean? It'll definitely throw a, you know, a wrench in that business just because well, how do you run this? That's pretty cool. So my next question would be, besides like doing the leasing and things like that, what else do you guys do as far as the software? Do you guys have software that will help you underwrite a project? Like go in and you type in all the information and it helps you underwrite it like to help you with performance or is just more on the operations side
0: no we definitely work across all the life cycle stages and how most clients do underwriting with navigators they're either using a tool like argus or yeah. or an automated tool but most clients are they have a performance inside a spreadsheet they're underwriting to that pro forma. They make a bunch of assumptions. You know, we're going to hit 92% occupancy. And rent's going to grow at three percent a year, and we're going to have to spend X, Y, Z refinishing each suite. You know, whatever. Right? And then those models get adjusted into Navigator as a point in time comparison, and then they do variance analysis. Either after they complete the development or if they're buying a stabilized asset after they acquire the asset and they try to make some improvements, they go and do period over period lookbacks and comparisons. What do we think it's gonna be worth? What is it worth today? COVID changed everything up. Okay, how do we need to adjust our processes based on that? Like if I'm a multifamily guy, do I need to be doing more look in these specials? Or am I in a market where Demand is far outstripping supply because everybody wants to work from home now. So everybody wants more space. So now I got an advantage as an owner so I can charge higher rents or, Hey, there's this one amenity that we thought everybody was going to use this great indoor gym and event space. Oh, well, during COVID, nobody wanted to be sweating inside together. So instead I needed to turn part of this into an indoor outdoor pool. It's like you just, all these assumptions would get changed with the market. And you need to be able to store all that information somewhere. So the pro formas would get updated and then navigate with the use of the data store to compare how did expenses change? How did revenue change? How did rent change? How did amending usage change? Right. And that's across all property types. I'm just using multifamily as an example, but the same thing happened with offices. People stopped coming in. They would only coming in a couple of days a week and. They wanted the food delivered up to their office instead of going downstairs and sitting in a crowded restaurant. So they wanted retailers that were going to be able to have large back office operations to deliver food. So as long as you can store this information somewhere, it allows you to like act quickly and adjust your built world space to respond to the changing market.
1: Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I've been seeing in my business, and even going into the next year, two thousand twenty-two. We're having our company end of year meeting coming up here in a week or so. And my biggest focus is working on technology, helping us, you know, automate some process systems. You know, how can we let technology help us where we're not using so many spreadsheets and so many people, right? You mentioned earlier, you start outgrowing those spreadsheets. And the first thing you think about is, okay, I need more people. I need another analyst. I need this. I need that. I need this. And you're like, okay, well, you can turn around and find some kind of software or something that can help you out. And for a fraction of the cost, I mean, a lot more efficient. Right, it'll make you more money. It'll save you money, time. Actually, out of everything, it's the time. That's really really cool. So, your ideal client. So, tell me, what is your ideal client?
0: Well, the more complex the business, the better. Okay. Right, because if a client is using five different systems and needs them all integrated, like they're going to get the value proper navigator a lot faster. Or if a company is involved in multiple stages, so they're acquiring and they're remodeling and they're operating and they're selling and they're raising capital to do it from other providers. But that's a lot of different complexity. Or if they're doing multiple property types, right? That's also ideal for us. So the larger, the more complex organization, the typically the better off uh, for Navigator. But obviously our most profitable engagements are one where the data is already structured and clean. Uh, and that typically only happens with organizations that have some internal um, IT folks, right? And that's why most of our logos on our website are really, really big companies because they have some sophisticated internal operations, but they want things done faster, cheaper, better. So they're using Navigator. It's not to say that we can't work with small companies. It just requires a little more creative pricing, usually a little more hand-holding with regard to the data piece of the
1: equation. Ah, Perfect, perfect. All right, Kevin, so I appreciate you being on the show. There's two things left before we let you go. I always ask this question to every single person that's on the show is, what is, I would say, what would be the biggest mistake that you've made? So we can talk about in this process, what's been a big mistake that you made? How did you overcome it? Or did you overcome it? I'm so glad i
0: limiting this to just one, because if I need to list all the big ones, I would be beyond for another hour at least. Honestly, the biggest mistake that I've made being a first-time COO is hiring too quickly without properly vetting the right people. When you are hiring somebody to a fast-growing company, I was employee number 10 when I joined, and now we're 52 just two years later. When the company's that small, each new employee is almost like a family member because you're, you're introducing a lot of new processes and building them it's like i might be, it's appreciative of what i call it, building the plane as you fly it but that's what we've been doing these last few years and now we're well capitalized we have a bunch of big clients it's great but i in my rush to get results and growth i quickly said yes to probably more people than i should about having gone through proper vetting channels and although the success rate has been mostly good. We've had a few folks who we've had to let go. And a bad hire costs you a lot of money, right? The time you take the train them up and it doesn't work out, the opportunity costs when you could have spent that money elsewhere. It, hiring is so important if you're a small company. And so for those of you out there that are investors, operators, managers, and you're trying to, to grow your company, take the extra time and effort to really know really the vet, people that are going to join your team and make sure you're not the only one interviewing them. Make sure a lot of people are, are providing feedback and take their feedback seriously, because typically there, there's a lot of wisdom in crowds.
1: crowds. Uh, interesting. That's a, definitely some great advice, especially if you have smaller company. So all the listeners out there, if you got, especially if you got less than 10 people, everybody you bring in, you know, like Kevin said, it actually is, it is like family because that's everybody you see, everybody you uh, connect with and work in the zoom calls. It's a lot. It's definitely, if you lose one employee and it's a hundred, it's not, that bad. But if you lose one and there's only 10, that's a big deal because I'm sure they were doing something that was big in the company. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. My second thing I'm bringing up is my favorite part of the actual show. I have this roulette. It's called the Naked Truth Roulette. And you are my lucky contestant today. I'm going to ask you three (laughs) questions, okay? Three random questions, got nothing to do with business, got nothing to do. It's just got to do with Kevin. You're the first COO that I have on my show. There's a notion out there that all COOs are robots. Let's make sure that it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) They're not real people. They're machines. You know, they're they're machines. They're not real people. So here's three random questions. And here goes question number one for Kevin. He's going to prove us that he's not a robot. He's not part of the Navigator. All right, here we go. There is a zombie apocalypse. What three famous people would you want on your team? Oh, my gosh.
0: Wow. Okay. So I would definitely... True, design, I don't know the guy's name, but the guy who was part of SEAL Team Six that uh, took out the lab, definitely knew him. With me, he's going cool. awesome. yeah, to have yeah. uh, a awesome,
1: yeah, yeah. I remember uh, from SEAL Team Six, awesome.
0: Yeah. Secondly, I do Dave Chappelle there because it's going to be a really scary, dangerous time, and I need some humor and laughter. And that guy is going to make it at least a tolerable, scary time by delivering a bunch of good content jokes. Awesome. And then third.
1: this this person
0: definitely isn't famous, but I want my wife there. All right, okay. She's stopped
1: on pain for sure. That's great answers. This is the first time that I put this question on the roulette, and you're the first one that gets it. And I'm very careful. Everybody does. All right, question number two. Let's see what we got. Now that I find out you're married, hopefully it lands where I want it to land. And it might, and I'm not touching it. It's my favorite question. Ah, look at that. What are the odds? If you could take (laughs)
0: Liberty on a date, who would it be? Uh, oh my gosh! You know, I've had a crush since I don't know. You said you're 42. I turned 41 in January, so I had a major crush, and probably still do on Angelina Jolie. Angelina and Jolie. I was totally want to go her. Half because you know, I think I still. Kind of attractive, but mostly because I mean, she's like adopted a bunch of kids, and she's been through now two marriages, and she's been in Hollywood. And I just have a feeling that conversation could go five different directions and be fascinating.
1: Well, you have a CEO mind. You want to put some structure and process in her life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have Uh, a feeling she she would not accept that (laughs) recommendation.
1: Probably not. All right. Awesome. That's a great, great, great answer, Angelina Julie. Awesome. Cool. All right. Last question for you on the Naked Truth Roulette. Last question. All right. What is the craziest thing you ever sneaked into a movie?
0: I mean, I don't know that it's like that crazy, but I definitely, when I was, this was junior college, a group of us went to see this movie called American Pie, so you know, teeny Popper, you know, just yep. really back in the day. And we all dared each other bring in flasks of alcohol and, you know, treat the entire flask during the movie. And I got to tell you, None of us really remember, at least in the theater, how the last thirty minutes of the movie ended because we were all really, really drunk and obnoxious, and uh, then having to go to, to the restroom. So, you know, I don't recommend anyone do that but <laughs> if, if you're actually excited to see the movie. It was a fun experience. Yeah, I tell you really what, I bet you,
1: I guarantee you, it was funnier as the movie went along. I'm sure you guys had a blast, laugh, yeah. <laughs> and you guys were laughing yeah, the whole yeah. time away. So that's pretty crazy. You snuck in some some alcohol to the movie theater. That's not bad. So that's actually. It's uh,
0: We were college students and we couldn't afford the retail press alcohol.
1: All right, Kevin, thank you so much for being a good sport. You survived the Naked Truth Roulette. I appreciate you being on the show. Is there anything else that you'd like to say or how can we get a hold of your company or you guys have something going on or what would you like to share?
0: Yeah, if anybody has questions about, you know, not just navigating CRE, but just real estate technology in general, I always love talking to people about it. So find me on LinkedIn, Kevin Stockman, Or go to our website, uh, navigatorcru.com.
1: Awesome, and I'll have all those links below. Thank you so much for being on the show, everybody. Follow me on social media. Check out the YouTube channel. I'm Javier Hinojo and don't lose your shirt. Just as promised, I like to give out free stuff, some tools and tips that's actually helped me in my business. There's nothing out there like getting some free stuff that people have spent a lot of time, energy in putting together. It's like a referral. Somebody asked me for an electrician you don't know what kind of brain damage I had to go through to give you this good referral for an electrician. You got to appreciate referrals from people, okay? Because they went through a lot to find that one good person. So I'm going to give you my due diligence template for buying apartment buildings. It's attached to monday.com. It is an affiliate link, so they're going to send me a kickback. Not a lot, but a little bit. But you can either download it as an Excel or you can put it on Monday.com. Monday.com is pretty cool because it's a project management platform software. It's super cool. I use it all the time for my social media, for my team, tracking deals, doing tasks for everybody. It's, uh, it's actually pretty good. You can track construction. It's a project management platform. It's a really cool Monday, like the day, monday.com. So my due diligence checklist is there for free for you. This has been the Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If
0: you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode.